This is a day I've been looking forward to for two and a half years. We're really proud of Timeline. We're going to reimagine Windows. Microsoft is announcing the breakthrough game console called Xbox. We've created a platform attuned to consumers' changing behaviors and an evolving sense of play. We set out to make the best watch in the world. And today, we're introducing Nexus 7. This is it, Xbox One. And we are calling it iPhone. The latest news, the newest products, the biggest names. Welcome to Your Tech Report. Online at yourtechreport.com. Join Mitchell Whitfield and Marco Flalo for the next hour of Your Tech Report. And I am Marco Flalo, as always, joined by Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. Mitchell, welcome to our continued, I guess we call this, holiday gift coverage on Your Tech Report. How are you? Uh, you know, I'm not Marco Flalo, but I'm pretty good. I enjoy I, every every week. I love hearing her say our names with that lovely British accent. Makes me feel great. You know what? I'm excited, Mark, because uh, it, it's hard to it, it's hard not to get excited about the stuff we talk about. Wanting to go buy all the stuff that I'm talking about when we're sharing all these cool holiday gift ideas for our listeners. It really it makes us less in our wallets a little bit as well. You know, I, I want to give people a little you know peek behind the curtain. There's a lot of interviews and stuff we do on this show that we record a bit earlier in the week so that uh, we can make sure we get those interviews on the air for you. We did an interview specifically for this show, and it's going to be the one that we're going to kick off the show with after our first break with with these guys at Anki Drive. And uh, I honestly could have (laughs) gone on with these guys for another 20 minutes just talking about how they were at one of these famed Apple keynotes. But not only just at the keynote, but about to go on stage. Now, it's not the same as the days when Steve Jobs was there, which of probably added even... They probably had to have paramedics on site. But the stories these guys could tell, I'm sure, would be amazing. And, and that's kind of the peek behind the curtain, is I didn't, you know, didn't want to... It's just so much fun. There is a lot of fun to be had, and I'm glad that we can share it with people who uh, enjoy our enthusiasm. And uh, just so you know, I mean, I've been, you know, I've obviously done movies and TV, Broadway stage stuff, and you, you have those butterflies and those nerves, but I got nervous talking about how nervous they must have been oh, going yeah. on. I mean, just, you know, there, there's so much at stake, because unlike when you're on a Broadway show or any kind of theater, you're, you're going on, every, you know, six times or eight times a week, and with this, you get one shot to show off your product, and if something goes wrong, yeah, line does Apple get, you know, it's your whole company on the line. So yeah, it, it's great, and I'm excited. I can't wait either. So, welcome to this edition of Your Tech Report. I am Marco Flalo. He is Mitchell Whitfield. On Twitter, if you want to follow us, please do. It is at Your Tech Report. Of course, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. And contact at yourtechreport.com. We get a lot of feedback from our listeners, and it's fun to, to, to get you guys involved. And you guys give us as many ideas as we try to come up with for you for great show content. But what we're talking about, you know, these past couple of weeks, Mitchell, is really ideas, gift ideas, and companies that we think have some cool products, especially around the holidays. We just had Black Friday. There's, you know, Cyber Monday coming up. And there's, you know, Christmas and every other, you know, denomination that you could possibly think of for the holidays. But yeah. it's it's funny. As we're sitting here, you know, doing the show, I look down and I realize I have this this really, really inane, inane object that cost me a dollar ninety-five at checkout one of these stores. And but those are the best it, sort of little things. And, and, what and, is that's, it? and that's why I get excited because it's a it's a USB reading reading light. It has like this gooseneck arm, but this beautifully bright LED. And you know, it's it's amazing that some gifts like this that cost probably five dollars would make the geek friends of ours so happy so there's so many different price ranges and things that you can think of when you're trying to shop for someone especially when they're into like tech cool gadgets like this don't dismiss stuff like this this is cool <laughs> no, 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 something like that market like, like like the epitome of a technology stu- you know stocking stuffer you yeah. don't have to here, here's the here's the thing and our listeners should know this by now especially because we carry we, we talk about such a wide variety and wide price range of items something doesn't have to be 300 400 a thousand in the tech world to be incredibly useful. We've talked about these great portable chargers, these battery you know, chargers that are portable that for $19 can completely double the life of your iPhone at $19. Yeah. So there are so many things out there, Mark, if, if people are willing to, to go and get them. Or, and they're really easy to order. Most stuff is available on you know, Amazon and you, know, you can get them in Canada, you get them in the States here. So it's, it, it, I love, why don't you send that to me? No, I'll pretend get, I didn't get it. I, well, I, I, I like bought it. this for myself. It wasn't even, no one gave it to us. No one sent it to us. Well, I don't I got 
there, for I myself. Like I'm like, oh, I'm in dark places. Let me use it sometimes. <laughs> for when is, Mark goes into his dark, it, dark place. Exactly. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I, I wanted to mention some cool savings. Like the, Microsoft is doing a really, like, we, we've talked about this past year, and it really hasn't been a big year about hardware. It's really been about software innovation and how people are setting themselves apart with software. And we talk about Microsoft a lot because they've done a lot to change their image over the past two years, really, ever since their, their new CEO has been in place. They've got some really, really cool Black Friday, Cyber Monday savings, holiday savings that are going to extend straight through the holidays. So if you want, you know, Surface Pro 3, for example, yeah, it's an older model, but they're still supporting all the new accessories. You can get in the Surface Pro 3 for $849. Um, you can, you know, Surface 3, not the Pro, for $499. So these are great products that I want you to take a look out for that really aren't going to break your wallet, especially if you're getting something for a loved one and you don't mind spending that kind of price range. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna keep on that trend, although something a little bit more expensive. We love talking about video games, video game consoles. One of the consoles that doesn't get a lot of attention that should, the Nintendo 3DS, well, the DS platform in general has been huge for years. Lately, not as huge, I guess. You know, we're sort of starting to see the market saturated with portables from Nintendo. They did come out with something a while back, Mark, called the 2DS, which is a, a version of a 3DS console, but it doesn't have the 3D feature. You still get the two screens. It doesn't have the 3D feature, which for some people is actually a selling point because there's some concern about younger kids not being not supposed to, you know, they're not supposed to use the three-dimensional three feature because it's not great for their eyes until a certain age when their eyes develop. A lot of a lot of parents went to the 2DS uh, for a two-dimensional model. It plays all the 3DS games, Mark, and it's designed on one flat, you know, in one flat design. It doesn't have a, you know, it doesn't close. It doesn't have a clamshell design. It's one solid piece with the two yeah. screens on it. But because of that, Mark, ergonomic the way it feels in your hand, it's the best feeling model, DS model I've ever used. I didn't miss the fact that it didn't close up. I still love my 3DS, don't get me wrong. They sent me this beautiful, uh, the, this beautiful themed uh, 3DS XL, the new 3DS XL. It's brilliant. But if you don't want the 3D, if you have a younger child that you still want uh, to be allowed to enjoy all the 3DS library of games, but you don't want the 3D effect in a, in a much easier you know, form factor to hold, especially for a kid, for $99 they're bundling it now with the Yokai Watch game. It's a great deal. This thing originally sold for 130 by itself. Great idea, and it, it actually works great. So I highly endorse the Nintendo 2DS. There's, there's a couple places that I, I want people to remind people that they should check out, especially when they're when they're shopping around the holiday season. More and more people, Mitchell, we talk about this all the time, aren't aren't going to be walking into the brick and mortar stores. They just don't want to get trampled. They don't want to get into that mess, especially in the U.S. In Canada, it's really it's not that bad. We've got Boxing Day the day after Christmas, which is still a big shopping day. But a lot, yep. of the, a lot of the savings you can get on now. And Amazon.com and Amazon.ca, because of their Amazon Prime and their two-day shipping, their free two-day shipping, and, 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 and they do such a good job of doing it, um, it, it I, I want to remind people about Amazon. People forget about Amazon because it's just, you know, it's not one of those big retailers that are known for just specific things. But they have such a vast variety. Like, you go to their website now and just click on Black Friday deals, and you've got things from... DVDs to printers to vacuum cleaners and just the ability to sort things between price ranges. You get so many ideas. I mean, printers are $58. You know, a smart watch, a GPS watch for those sports fans, you know, right. $79. You don't have to be spending, you know, four or 500 bucks on a, on a, on a gift for somebody. And you don't have to leave the house. And we talk about this for many reasons. We've talked about it on several shows. I've joked about shopping in my underwear, which actually isn't a joke. I do do that. <laughs> but we joke about the, the humor of sitting there not having to wear clothing to shop. But it's it's not exactly safe out there. People are not at their best when there's a mob involved. Mob mentality is never good. And the idea, listen, if you're going out to one of these stores to do at a brick-and-mortar location at you know 4 in the morning, sometimes 2 in the morning to open at 6... It, it, they only these doorbuster deals for like a two hundred dollar you know fifty inch TV. They only have maybe three or four of those. If you're not the third or fourth person in line, you're standing in line to get trampled in the cold for no reason at all. And just, you have to ask yourself, Mark, what do you think of this? You have to ask yourself this: Would you rather stay home and and be guaranteed to save forty percent, or go out and and try and you know work those crowds to save an extra five or ten percent? So in my estimation, I'd rather still save a decent amount and stay home. Uh, Stay home, folks. No reason to go out anywhere. Not anymore. Not, not in this day and age. Not only that, but don't forget. Don't. I, I know people think this is kind of cliche. It's like, okay, I'm going to get a you know photo album or a, a picture frame for the holidays. Gift cards. Gift cards have become <sighs> more than just okay. You want to get a book at Indigo Chapters or you know Barnes and Noble. You can get gift cards for everything. Amazon gift card, for example. Amazon. Best GameStop. Buy, GameStop. Yep. EB yep. Games. 
Think about any retailer Target. out there. Not only that, you can just buy a Visa gift card, an American Express gift card. And they can yeah. spend them wherever they want. Exactly. So don't, don't forget that those things exist. Uh, you know, Mark, there's one thing I wanted to pop in here with because, and this is, again, this is a little bit on the higher spectrum in terms of gifts, but, you know, our friends at Sideshow Collectibles oh, sell yeah. these great pop culture figures. Uh, they, they sell their own branded stuff, but also they sell Hot Toys, this great Hong Kong company that makes these beautiful, you know, characters from movies and comics. And they just sent us two things that are absolutely incredible. One of them was the Iron Man Mark III. Uh, it, it's the Mark III series armor. It's the stealth mode version, Mark. It's in blue, two different shades of blue. Absolutely beautiful with red lights instead of white lights for the repulsor, the chest, the eyes, the hands. Uh, it's $309. It's it's an alternate version of the traditional looking Mark III Iron Man. It's, it's, it's metal. It's beautiful. It's posable. You got to go to SideshowToy.com and check all the stuff. SideshowToy.com, absolutely gorgeous. They also sent us this Hulkbuster statue that's only around $80. Uh, really affordable. If anyone is a, a Marvel or a Hulkbuster fan in the Iron Man series, it's made by uh, this designer called Tuma, who take, does his own take on these Marvel characters. Beautiful, beautiful figure, the Hulkbuster by Tuma. So great. Go to Sideshow Toy. They have great stuff. You're going to spend a little bit, you're going to get back a ton. And let's not forget, and you know, we're going to replay that interview that we did with Sideshow Collectibles probably over the holidays because it's one of the highlights, I think, of this past year. The detail put into these oh. models, Mitchell, it's, it's most of them you probably want to leave in the packaging so you just don't take it out. But I'm talking about seeing Arnold Schwarzenegger's face as a Terminator, knowing it's Arnold, you know, oh, seeing is, details oh, yeah, absolutely. like that. And, and, you know, I, and by the way, if you go to yourtechreport.com, we will leave links to these specific products if you want to buy, if you just want to look at Sideshow. As Mark said, these are high-end collectibles and just, they're pieces of art. They are functional pieces of art. There's no other way to describe them. So there's lots of stuff, lots of stuff for the holidays, Mitchell. Lots of, lots of gift-giving ideas. Uh, and as I said off the top, we are going to take a quick break and come back with the guys at Anki Drive. Anki Drive makes makes slot cars, you know, t- takes it to a, a whole new level. But we've also got some cool ideas on this show. If you have a gaming, you know, friend in your life, there's like EA me. Access, a subscription service that gives you access to some great EA titles, plus advanced access to some of their awesome games that are upcoming. And we're going to cap off the show with our friends over at Roku. If you want a media streaming device for your home, you must pay attention to Roku. It's your tech report. We'll be back with that interview with Anki Drive in just a moment. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter. It is at your tech report. Of course, Facebook.com slash your tech report. And don't forget that email address, Mitchell. Contact at your tech report.com. Back in a sec. There's more your tech report after this. Now, back to your tech report. I'm so excited about this show, Mitchell. Welcome back to your tech report. Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. Mark Aflalo in Montreal. On Twitter, it is at your tech report. Facebook.com slash your tech report. And of course, our email address, which is really important. Contact at your tech report.com. Someone emailed us about something. So we are going to talk about their email and the product soon on the show. Okay, Mark. Now, I'm really excited about this next interview, but I have to give you a little bit of a backstory to tell you why. Okay. okay. Now, this is something you're going to be familiar with. Um, back in the day, I used to be a huge slot car guy. I used to love slot car racing when I was a kid. Um, a lot of fun. But there was always the issue of, well, slot cars had issues, man. You'd get carpet stuck in a little, little nubby on the car. The tracks would lose power. It was fun, but it was, it was full of issues. So a couple of years back, this fantastic company called Anki came out with a product that basically revolutionized the way that Men and men, children like myself, forever thought exactly forever thought about slot car racing. Completely changed the face of this of this genre. And rather than talk about it myself and tell you what Anki Drive and Anki Overdrive, their latest release is, we're bringing on Mark Palatucci, the co-founder and CPO of Anki, to talk about Overdrive. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thanks a lot for having me. Mark, I, can I ask you a question that has nothing to do with your actual product? It, okay, it kind, of, <laughs> it kind of does. Absolutely. Mark, you are the only person I've ever spoken to in my life who has attended an Apple keynote, okay? <laughs> so I need to know and it's hard. It's going to be hard to answer because I know that you're not only not only were you there experiencing the event, but words can probably not describe the nervousness that was going through your mind because your product is being demoed on stage for the first time ever. How did you feel? Oh, we were super nervous. Uh, you know, we had one of those apps that uh, can measure your uh, your pulse rate. 
<laughs> we were sitting uh, a few rows back, you know, with, uh, um, you know, measuring the pulse. It was probably about 120 beats a minute just sitting at rest. So uh, I, I definitely remember uh, remember that being uh, pretty nervous. But it was super exciting. You know, we were in completely stealth mode um, leading up until the keynote. Um, that was the very first time that we um, showed or talked about um, what we were doing publicly. So, uh, yeah, super exciting, but, uh, yeah, very nerve-wracking. Well, well, Mark, you and your team did absolutely everything right because after watching that keynote, I immediately got on the phone with my partner, Mark, and we started talking about, oh, my God, have you seen Anki Drive? So before we get into Anki Overdrive and talk about, you know, the upgrades that you guys did and sort of uh, the new look, talk about just Anki Drive in general. For our listeners that aren't familiar, tell them about Anki Drive and how it's pretty much changed the face of what we think of as traditional, you know, slot car racing. Yeah, so Anki Drive um, at its core is a racing game. Um, the, the big difference is that the cars are smart. Um, they're actually uh, tiny robots that uh, sense the track as they drive. Um, they relay their position information back to a smartphone. And uh, you download an app um, on your phone that lets you take control of one of the cars. But uh, what the app also does is it brings to life all of the other cars using um, artificial intelligence and uh, robotic technology. So it's really like playing a video game, but um, in physical form. Um, and the technology that our company is building really allows us to bring uh, physical toys to life, such that they're uh, smart, interactive ca- characters. And, and, th- and that's what kind of blew me away. And for people that really think of them as just as cars, they are tiny robots. And, I, and and actually, your background and your team's background, heavy background in robotics, yes? That's right, yeah. My uh, my two co-founders and I all met while doing uh, PhD uh, work in uh, robotics and artificial intelligence. Um, we came out of the Robotics Institute at uh, Carnegie Mellon University. And, um, yeah, we met uh, going on about 11 years ago. And um, we started working on this um, sort of as a distraction. Um, you know, it was a lot more fun than working on the, the PhD thesis. And, uh, you know, that was really the route that became the company. All right, so here we are. We have we have these robotic cars. And in the original Anki Drive, now, and this is going to move us forward to Anki Overdrive and what changes you guys made. I loved the look of the original, and it was really this elegant thing. You unrolled this mat. The mat became the track. It read the mat as a track. It was beautiful. Uh, but the only issue was that you were kind of bound to that one track that, you know, that was on the original mat that came with Anki Drive, but with Overdrive, you really address that, and now the track is more of a traditional track that can be made into many configurations. Tell us a little bit about the new track for Anki Overdrive. Yeah, so with Overdrive, um, the biggest difference really is the, the modular track that you highlight. You know, from the very beginning, we always wanted to have uh, players be able to create, you know, whatever type of track or whatever world um, that they wanted, and, um, you know, it ended up being a super, super difficult uh, technical problem, and because when when someone builds a track, you don't necessarily know ahead of time um, what they built. Um, with the old rollable mats um, in the first generation product, right, all the cars needed to do was kind of figure out where they were, but they kind of knew already um, what the track looked like. Right. Um, so you just have the problem of figuring out your position. Now they have to. Now the cars have to figure out not only their position, but what does the, the actual track look like if they want to. You know, take a, a turn at just the right angle. If they want to um, really drive in a you know, super fast, optimal way, they really need to know what that what that track looks like. So, you know, solving that ended up being a uh, you know really hard technical problem. So, you know, we had to wait until our uh, generation two before we were able to get that uh, you know working as well as we wanted. Mark, I guess a lot of that has to do with the AI that's in the actual cars itself. Now, while the AI kind of spans across all the cars, you give each one of it, you know, each one of the cars its own personality. How do you kind of define that, and how do you do that in the cars? So we have a whole um, small group of, uh, of game designers here, and one of the things that we strive really hard is to bring um, these physical vehicles to life. Um, you know, we really think of them as characters with their own personalities, with their own strengths, with their own weaknesses. And, um, you know, we spend a lot of time trying to think about, um, you know, how these cars interact together and, uh, and what are the, the different sort of capabilities that we can give um, each of these vehicles that really, you know, tie into its personality and, uh, you know, its voice and its driving style and, uh, and these types of things. 
You know what's really cool, and this is going a little bit off topic, but you'll see how I'll bring it right back to Anki, right back to you guys. Uh, I love role-playing games, and I loved uh, World of Warcraft I played, and you know, you play different characters. Some characters were tanks, they could take damage, some were magic users, they could die. but in a way, the robotic cars are very similar. You can have one that is more uh, adept at taking damage, one that is better at using, because the cars can also use these power-ups that allow you to either zap other cars on the track or use these uh, tractor beams to pull other cars in. There really is a lot going on there, right? Yeah, so each um, each vehicle has um, both a weapon and a special item that it brings <laughs> uh, into each um, battle race. And um, as the player progresses through the game, um, we also have a, what we call the tournament. It's, uh, it's like a campaign mode. As they progress, they earn um, different upgrades for the vehicles, and the player can then go and customize, um, you know, do I want this vehicle to be more defensive and have more armor and have um, you know stronger energy. Um, do I want it to be more offensive and be able to you know increase the power of its weapons or the range of damage that you can um, inflict? And you know as you progress, you know depending on if you're playing other human players or if you're playing against um, you know the computer opponents and our virtual commanders um, that are kind of like a sequence of missions, um, you have to use different strategies and. Um, you know, some some vehicles and some configurations end up working a lot better um, against some configurations and or some commanders than others. So it's really you know giving that player the the strategy, almost you know like you were saying in a in a role playing sort of way, to be able to customize um, you know their vehicle and their driving style in order to progress through um, you know a sequence of different challenges. Now, Mark, you know, we, we've heard discussion, we spoke to game designers who, when they're developing the AI, they could really, if they wanted to, program whatever it might be to just completely crush their opponent. Um, <laughs> obviously, um, do, do you design the AI to really do whatever it can to just kill whoever whoever's, whoever's, you know, battling against it? Or is there some leniency there? This is a, a super interesting question, and... Um, the truth is, in, in the very early, early prototypes, um, you know, in some of the very first um, kind of AI systems that we built, um, it wasn't as much fun as you would want or expect because the AI was too optimal, right? AI, in many ways, is, is solving an optimization problem, and we had programmed this to, you know, figure out the best way to, you know, disable this person's car and, and get them off the track. And um, if it's too hard, then... Um, the player has, you know, really no chance, and that just that ends up being um, not a lot of fun. And the interesting thing is, you know, the way that a computer sort of drives in an optimal way from a mathematics standpoint is very different than how a human um, or even a race car driver would drive on a track. So we ended up doing a lot of work on the AI system in order to have it display more human-like behavior and also kind of dial back its difficulty such that, you know, you can, you can realistically challenge it. And then, you know, as you progress through these virtual commanders and these missions that we have um, in the game, the commanders will get harder and harder. Um, and finding that, that balance about what's the right level of difficulty so it's not, you know, too difficult. And as you get better, you know, the game gets better um, and it stays fun and engaging for a long period of time. That's a really, you know, delicate, um, hard problem that uh, we spend a lot of time thinking about. Well, Mark, I, I have to give kudos to you and your team because, and by the way, if you just joined us, we're talking to Mark Palacucci. He's the co-founder and CP, CP, CPKO, I just, a new title for him, CPO of Anki. Uh, I really have to give you kudos because the, the, the balance of the AI was really wonderful. And this is one of the great things about Anki Drive. You can, as a single player, you can play against another car or multiple cars that are computer controlled. The challenge is there, but you can still be successful if you race correctly and use your weapons and, and you know, and you're a good racer. It's also a great experience for people that want to join in with their own Apple iOS device, with their own screen and control their own car. The thing I wanted to touch on now, Mark, is when I took, you know, I got the, uh, you guys were kind enough to, to send us some accessories, but I went and picked up the starter set myself. And when I set this thing up, I was pretty blown away out of, just out of the box, how easy it was to get everything set up. And I think user experience is a big part of initial reaction to how consumers, you know, see a product. And I mean, 
I, I took the cars out without me doing anything, Mark. They immediately attached to the Bluetooth on my phone, started downloading information. Uh, the user experience, it's so simple. You guys made it so easy for anyone to jump in. Was this a big focus for you guys? Absolutely. Um, one thing I'll also mention is that uh, it's, you know we're available on Android devices as well. It's oh, that's right. Yeah. Even though that's right. Um, you know, we did that, that big keynote um, with Apple. You know, we launched an Android product um, soon afterwards with Drive and with Overdrive, we're actually out of the gate. We're uh, we're available on on both platforms, and um, you know, seeing uh, you know huge amount of adoption on Android, um, especially now that they have Bluetooth Low Energy, which is the you know the technology that we use to to communicate with the cars. Right. Um, but to your question, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have um, um, some really great um, user experience designers here. Um, it's a huge focus for us. Um, you know, we're trying to make that that first 10 minutes um, that someone spends with the product um, out of the box, um, you know, just really as seamless as possible. And, uh, you know, we bring a lot of people in that have never um, seen the product before. We'll, you know, we put them in a room and we say go, you know, with, um, with the app. And we see, you know, what are the points, where do they get frustrated? Um, and that helps us really refine, uh, refine the design, uh, refine that kind of onboarding process of a new user. And, uh, yeah, it's a huge, huge focus for us. Um, we feel it's critical um, to providing a great experience and a great product. And, uh, you know, we're going to continue to do that with, with all the things that we do going forward. But, you know, I want to I take things back for a second here. When you're working at the Robotics Institute of Carnegie Mellon and you're working there with your colleagues, and you're, are you thinking in your head, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take all this education, this experience of Google, this experience of Intel, and build a kick-ass game? Like, at what point in your head did you go, this is really cool what I'm doing, and this is what I want to do. Because I'm sure when you're in school, you're like, okay, well, where am I going to take this? I'm spending all this time, all this money, all this education, all this experience. Are, are you happy with where you are now? Because I think it's so cool what you're doing. Yeah, the, the thing that we got really excited about is, you know, when, when myself and the two co-founders were, were in school, you know, what we realized is that almost every, all the work going on there was for, um, you know, research. It was for... Um, you know, industrial automation projects. It was for, um, you know, some stuff for the military uh, and DARPA. You know, but there was very, very little, um, you know, next to nothing that was actually being put um, into a consumer product, you know, yeah. the kind of thing that you could sell, you know, in a Target or, a, you know, um, or a Toys R Us or Amazon, these kind of places. And really what we saw as, um, you know, a big opportunity is to take um, – all of this emerging, you know, science and uh, plummeting prices in computer hardware, and and really refine it into, you know, a product that you know could be smart and it could be applied to uh, a mass market product. And uh, you know, you said you were a slot car person. You know, I played with slot cars a ton. Um, I was a big model model person. Um, you know, we're all um, all three co-founders are, are huge car lovers, um, and we really saw an opportunity to go into you know, what we saw as a very stagnant industry that hadn't changed in, you know, much in 50 years and do something that was, you know, was wildly more fun than, than what existed before. And, you know, the platform and all the technology that we're building, um, you know, we see is very applicable to things not just in entertainment but to other applications of consumer robotics. So, um, you know, as a company, that's really what we're focused on is bringing, um, you know, bringing robotics to, you know, the mass market uh, consumer and uh, continuing to build, you know, smart products that, that people can use in their everyday lives. Well, you know, you, you said it best kind of in your answer is that in, in working in that kind of environment, people are working on these government projects. And that's the kind of, as a consumer, you know, when we think of, of people who have a background like that and education like that, we think of things that we probably never never see as a consumer, things that might end up in other products, et cetera, et cetera. But you, obviously, by bringing it to a consumer point of view, where do you see that technology that you're building today in a couple of years from now? Because, you know you're building something that is way more than just usable in Anki. Absolutely. I mean, we, we see that, you know, consumer robotics really as uh, an emerging industry. And I think, um, you know, just in the same way that, you know, mobile devices or the Internet has touched, you know, so many different industries, we think robotics um, and AI is going to change many different industries. So, you know, we see huge applications of robotics around the home. Um, we see applications in healthcare. We see applications in... Um, obviously, in entertainment, you know, that's kind of where we're focused right now. Um, you know, beyond that, manufacturing is, you know, only going to um, use more and more 
um, robotics. And, you know, when we think about the future five years from now or ten years from now, you know, we don't think that there's going to be less robots. You know, we absolutely think that there's going to be more. And, uh, you know, we already see this revolution of, you know, smart devices. You know, people are running around with smart watches yeah. and fitness trackers and these types of things. And um, I think robotics is really the next um, step, you know, in that evolution of, you know, devices that not only sense the world, but they can reason about it and then they can take some sort of action um, and they can manipulate and articulate themselves in the world. Um, that's really, I think, kind of the, the third phase. You know, people talk about this, you know, Internet of Things revolution, but, um, you know, we really see sort of an Internet of Robots. Um, you know, coming in uh, the next few years, and you know, we're excited to be part of it. Well, and I want to I want to thank you because um, by releasing a product like Anki, you are exposing so many more people to what that world is, and making it a much more palatable things for people to to see and adapt down the road. Thank you. The product is Anki Overdrive. You can get it at the major retailers throughout North America. It's one forty nine ninety nine for the starter pack. Starter pack gets you two of these fantastic. And by the way, the cars. This one and and Mark. This is one of those products where you really have to see it in action. Anyone that has ever seen anyone racing any of the Anki cars using their iOS or Android device on a track, the second you see it, you have that I must have that sort of reaction. Everyone that I've shown it to has had that reaction. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for joining us on the show, and we look forward to having you back again. This has been a fantastic interview. We'd love to have you back to talk about whatever you guys have coming up down the road. Hey, thank you so much. Really, uh, really enjoyed it. I swear, Mitchell, I could talk. I, I really want to know all about that experience of being at Apple Keynote, and I think we're going to get him on and just kind of talk about that when we can uh, do that after the holidays. But we continue with some gift ideas on this week's edition of Your Tech Report. That, of course, was Anki Drive, but when we come back, Gamers have some fun, too, with a very cool subscription service from Electronic Arts. And don't forget still to come, Roku. Your tech report will be right back. Now, back to your tech report. Tis the season to be giving. Welcome back to your tech report. Mark Flallow in Montreal. Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles again on Twitter. At your tech report. Facebook.com slash your tech report. And our email address is contact at yourtechreport.com. And you want to use that email address just like our friend Madison did, who sent us in a question about gaming specific to this next interview. Now, Mark, as we've talked uh, on several episodes, this has been a huge year and this time of year particular for gamers, right? This has been yeah, an incredible year. For, I mean, we reviewed some incredible games and we're very lucky to have EA on board, Electronic Arts, one of the biggest game publishers, uh, game developers I, I on the I've planet. Yeah, you think might have heard of, of EA, right? <laughs> uh, and this has been a fantastic year for EA in particular. We've We've given great reviews, of course, to NHL 16 and FIFA 16. I think NBA Live is heading in the right direction now with a great bounce back here. But there's something from EA that our listeners may not be familiar with. I, although I can't believe that anything EA, they wouldn't know. But there's there's a service they have. It's a, it's a relatively new service they have called EA Access. And rather than tell it to you myself what the service is, we brought in EA Access's director of marketing, Douglas Kennedy, to talk about the service. Douglas, thanks for joining us on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Now, I, I, I would rather you explain your tell, – tell our listeners who are not familiar with it, what is EA Access? Sure. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a subscription service that's exclusive to Xbox One to really bring out the best of EA games, and it's focused on three key features. Uh, one is that members can play full EA games before they're released. Uh, so Star Wars Battlefront was our, our latest trial. Um, and all of that progress that people make during those trials carries over if people decide to buy it, which is really neat. Uh, the second benefit is uh, called the Vault, which is really you know our core value here, which expands players' libraries to you know the best of EA games. Uh, we currently have about 14 games in the Vault. Um, we're always adding more over time, so that value just grows. Um, and the final benefit, which uh, is the ability for members to save 10% on all digital EA purchases, so things like DLC, full games, almost team points, all of that fun stuff. Um, and it's all just you know five bucks a month or thirty bucks a year. I now, love I, 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 I love I love the subscription model. I, I can't I can't complain. I just have to throw that statement in. I love I love the fact that paying monthly gives me access to stuff I wouldn't have otherwise. No, no, it's it's brilliant. Yeah. I uh, and I have to start off, Douglas. I have to start off with Battlefront because that is a huge game for you guys. I actually, you guys were kind enough to give me a one month code. Although I really think it's a cruel thing to do because now I have <laughs> the one month code and and now you're going to take it away from me and I can't let that happen. So you 
you're going to have a new customer on your hands in about 10 days. So basically, I jump on board. I got my subscription. Oh, it's great. And I started playing Battlefront several days early. And as you said, the really cool thing is not only did I get in early on a game that I was very excited to play, but now all the stats, I think I probably got to maybe level six or seven in the first day. You could say I was I was binge playing a little bit. And now all those statistics, everything I gained, all the weapons that unlocked for me, as you mentioned, they are now permanently unlocked for me when I play the retail version. I don't have to worry about it's a tease and I have to rearm myself. Everything is there for me once I jump into the retail version, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. It's a little different than a beta. Like it's the actual full game. And so all of that stuff yep. carries it over, which is really neat. Now, now, to, to, I want to put this in perspective. Mark, you're listening. You, you know that I buy a lot of games. And there are certain things that they do. They put out, you know, digital deluxe versions or special deluxe versions of games uh, for, for certain games that come out to entice people as sort of an added value. The nice thing is you guys aren't doing that here. You're not charging more for the game. The service on its own you're paying for. And like you said, $4.99 a month, $30 for the entire year, which is a great, great value. But I get in on the game early. A lot of games, Douglas, do you find that a lot of other uh, publishers and developers, they are using this, this get in early. They're making people pay $10 extra for a special version of the game. You guys are not doing that. We'll have access to every EA game early as long as we're members, correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Something like that. You know, guys, there, there is a question I wanted to ask because I think there are times when big publishers get a bad rap. And that rap is, oh, the publishers don't care about their audience and the gamers. And I really don't think that's true, especially when it comes to EA. Because if you look at EA Access and the services and the product that you're getting, I really think it, it's giving something great back to gamers at a great price point. Uh, don't you think that's the case? I think that EA Douglas, I think that EA really has gone out of its way, uh, especially with the service to give back to the gamers. Wouldn't you say I that's true? I think gamers actually get more than EA probably does out of this deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you know, we're always looking at ways to deliver for players. And, and for me, it's been a blast working on a product that people love. Um, and so far, we've really been met with overwhelming support from the community um, because, like you guys said, you know, this offer kind of seems too good to be true. Um, so we get the entire range from, like, what's the catch, come on, to this is the best thing that's ever happened to gaming. Um, and we like to think it is, you know, and, and we'll see what, what happens in the future. What kind of reaction are you getting from your fans? I know that you guys are big into interacting with the community. Are you getting good feedback? Yeah, you know, it's always neat to work on a product that people love. Um, and so far, we've been met with overwhelming support from the community, you know, kind of despite the, the big bad publisher rap. Um, but this offer almost seems too good to be true. So we get that, um, that kind of range of commentary from like, all right, what's, what's the catch here? to, you know, this is the best thing that's happened to gaming. Um, and so it's just, it's been really neat to, to be part of that. Now, I, I don't know if we mentioned this because I'm, I'm getting old now and I tend to forget, but uh, if, you, if we didn't mention this, I want to touch upon this. So in addition to the fact that you can get in and play games early, in addition uh, for, the, for the brand new games that have just come out, and in addition to the fact that you have the Vault, which has games, full games, that you can play and have for as long as you're a member. In addition to that, you can also sample games that have been recently released by EA to get a taste of those games as well to see if that's something you want to purchase. Am I right here, Douglas? Yeah, yeah. Those play first trials kind of stick around too, so that um, you know it's not just a, a window that ends once the game is released. People can go back and play. So you know, if you're new to the franchise, if you're new to the game, you can you can pick it up and test it out. Okay. Uh, now, Mark, you have to bear with me, listen to me on this one, because I want to make sure that I'm presenting this correctly and I'm not missing anything because it seems a little crazy. So, EA Access, uh, you get access to games, full versions of the games early. Okay. You also get a ton of free titles from the vault, and and as Douglas was saying, you have a bunch of, right now they're around 14 available, from sports to RPGs to shooters, everything. You also get 10% off digitally downloaded EA games. So, uh, I, like you said, you get that reaction, am I missing something here? It almost really seems like a no-brainer, and the best value seems to be the yearly membership, which brings it down to around $2.5 a month, wow. and for that cost, you have that full library discounts. What are we missing here? Because I, I know you get asked that a lot, but how could this be? How could you guys afford to do this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really, it really is that, that good. Like I said, um, you know, it pays for itself in the first month. Typically, you know, people come in. Um, by the time they, they save the discount, their membership is already free at, at that point. Um, and we see that members really take advantage of that 10% off discount, too. So they're coming in and buying a lot of stuff, whether or not it's DLC or, or ultimate team points or something like that. Um, but yeah, it is just that good. I mean, that's, 
that's the whole fun. <laughs> there's, there's one thing I wanted to mention to people because, uh, we, you know, we have a lot of feedback from our listeners and, and we kind of tease in this interview is coming up and people are asking us whether or not Access was a streaming service, kind of like, uh, you know, you know, PlayStation Now, but it's not. You're getting you're getting full copies downloaded, correct? Correct. Yeah, yeah. It downloads to your hard drive, and you have it for the uh, you know the life of the service as long as you subscribe. Uh, one of the things I also wanted to touch on, Douglas, and this becomes and, and if you're if you're just joining us, we're talking with Douglas Kennedy, director of marketing for EA Access, the great new subscription service. And if you're looking for a gift for the gamer in your life, uh, this would be the gift to get for people. What do you find uh, from the people that are talking to you when the feedback that you get? What are what are the other features that maybe you guys haven't included yet into access that you could include sometime in the future. Oh, interesting. Um, you know, a lot of people are, are, are uh, interested in tournaments or the ability to, uh, to have rankings or to share with their friends. So, of course, we're always looking at ways to uh, deliver games to our fans, deliver games in a better way that's um, more suited for them. So, um, you know, we're always working on that. Uh, one last thing I want to touch upon is uh, I couldn't get it all out in one sentence. Uh, and any of these services, as great as they are, if they don't have an elegant interface, something that makes it easy for the user to dive in, to know how to use the system. When I jumped in, the second I jumped in with the EA Access, whoever designed the UI and your team did a brilliant, brilliant job. It's completely, pardon the pun, accessible, very easy to use, very easy to shop and see what you get. I mean, we take that for granted. We kind of think it's, oh, well, every, every system should have that. But it's not like that. With digital offerings, having a clean interface for the user, making it simple is really key to having them stay on board and want to buy. And I think you guys did a great job of creating a brilliant user interface. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, we put a lot in, you know, it's, it's really, um, we live to play at EA and we have that player first approach. And so making things as uh, barrier free and as streamlined as easy to use is important for us. Well, you know what? Uh, because this is an ongoing service, we know there are going to be features that are going to be added. New games are going to be added into the vault. There are going to be new games to get discounts on. Douglas, we would love to have you back another time, another day, to talk to us about how EA Access evolves over time. So hopefully you'll come back and chat with us again. Yeah, of course. Are you kidding me? I'd love to. Are you shopping around for a streaming media device but not sure which one? We have one that you're going to want to consider. It's Roku when we come back right here on Your Tech Report. Get in touch with us on Twitter. It's at Your Tech Report. Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. There's more Your Tech Report after this. Now, back to Your Tech Report. Welcome back. Marco Flallow in Montreal, joined by my co-host, of course, Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. If you want to get in touch with us, no problem, on Twitter. It's at Your Tech Report, Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. And, of course, our email address is contact at yourtechreport.com. So, Mitchell, as you know, we're talking about products we love and different of things, course. especially during the holidays when people want to go out and buy gifts for friends. So one of the companies that obviously came to my mind, and I'm not going to lie, I've been working on this for quite some time, is Roku. Because in this world of online streaming entertainment, you and I... <laughs> have always gravitated towards Roku for, for one reason or another. I think you originally, originally you introduced me to the company when I was at your house in California. Absolutely. And, and while there are other companies that may dabble in streaming, in streaming devices for digital media, this is what Roku does, and they do it better than anyone. And honestly, they really do. And you're not, I, know, I know you're not just saying that because oh, no. we happen to have the sultan of streaming himself. Lloyd Clark from Roku on the line with us. Lloyd, how are you? I'm doing well. You said you were going to say that, but thank you very much. Actually, I think I told you I was going <laughs> yeah, to say Yeah, we said we would. We, we, we were honest about it. Now, you know what, Lloyd? We were talking off the air, and I, 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 we always do this. We get into conversations off the air that we realize, wait a second, this is good entertainment. We should really bring it to our listeners because a lot of people are, are sadly enough, I know a lot of people don't have media players. Um, those that don't and come to me for recommendations, I always point them in Roku's direction because of the fact that you've got over I mean, over 1,700 channels of, of content, whether it be Netflix, uh, Cineplex, Google Play, services like Sky News and stuff that you wouldn't even have thought of had streaming services. Roku, you've been doing this for a very, very, very long time. But more than just the actual fact that you have all these services, the functionality of Roku's boxes, all the way from the Roku 1 to the, the new Roku 4 that you're going to tell us about, um, the hardware itself innovates. you got a headphone jack on the remote. Come on. 
That's a no-brainer. It's just awesome. We have a lot of customers that call that the marriage saver. <laughs> it absolutely is. You know how many, how many devices we test, Mitchell and I, and, and the, I've always wondered. They're Bluetooth-enabled, some of them. I'm like, wh- where is the where is the logic here? Why can't I pair some kind of wireless headset? Why do I have to go spend $150 on a, on a, on a 2.4 gigahertz wireless headset from some random company just to and figure out what to plug into where this is a no-brainer? Anyhow. Lloyd, you're here to talk. You're here to talk about the new Roku Four, right? I am. It's one of my favorite products. Tell me about the Roku Four because in Canada, I'm not able to get my hands on it. Mitchell, oh, of course, has one so en route to his direction. Yeah. But how could you possibly innovate more than you have? Well, we just keep on doing what we keep on doing, which is we we better ourselves every year. And, and Roku Four is absolutely the best one that we've ever made. This is uh, this is our pinnacle. Uh, it's a fantastic streamer. It's it, it's got so much packed into this uh, little player. Uh, of course, one of the, the, the premier features of this product is something that works with all these new televisions that are come out that have 4K. And uh, this player will do full 4K at 60 frames per second. So that some people call that UHD. Uh, it is an amazing picture quality out of this product. Oh, no, it, it is absolutely gorgeous. And it, it, it's more than just that. But we, we joke up the end, but wait, there's more. Uh, <laughs> as, as Mark said, you know, you guys were the first to actually have a headphone jack on the remote, the marriage saver, as you called it. Uh, but now you're also including the headphones in the package. And there's also, uh, this, this is brilliant. It's such a small touch, Lloyd, but so important. You actually include a lost remote finder <laughs> in into the, it's actually Built into the Roku box, you can actually touch a button on the box and it will find your remote for you? It is so fun because there's a lot of technology in this product. You know, we, we put our best processor, our best Wi-Fi. There's a lot of things that make the streaming really, really powerful. Uh, but there's these other fun features that we, we spend all day thinking about streaming. And here's one that we wanted to do for a while, and that's that lost remote finder. Because I don't know if it happens to you, but when my 15-year-old takes the remote and leaves it in the kitchen or my five-year-old loses the remote in the cushion, I can press the button on my Roku 4, and it'll send a beacon to my remote, and my remote will make a a wonderful noise. And you can even, (laughs) listen to this, you can even change the tone that it makes uh, to whatever you like. There's a number of different default tones in there, including a wolf whistle, including a lot of fun things. Uh, it's, It's one of those tech features that is really useful and a lot of fun. I want to kind of point us in the direction of software, because... Mitchell and I talk about this all the time, that, that there's not that much hardware innovation that we're seeing as rapidly as we used to. People are spending more time releasing hardware when it's ready, but focusing a lot of time on the software and the experience. And Roku's no different in that case, because there's a brand new OS that extends to the apps. Tell us about the operating system and what sets it apart. That's one of the things that we've been working on from day one, and that's making streaming really easy, whether it's easy to set up or whether it's easy to use. And easy to use means a very simple, straightforward uh, user interface or on-screen experience or whatever you want to call it. It's, it's the thing that you look at before you get to the show that you want to watch. And honestly, we want people to spend less time looking at our UI and more time watching shows. That's why we make it so fast to get to the show that you want to watch. We include things like universal search, where you can search across the top uh, uh, channels on our platform, and you can get to the movie that you want or the actor that you're interested in. We've added something called Roku Feed, which you can now follow items that you're interested in. Let's say you're interested in a, an actress or an actor. Uh, I like Morgan Freeman, so I've got Morgan Freeman in my feed. When something new that Morgan has done comes onto the platform, it immediately pops into my feed, and I can watch it straight from there. Uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Mark and Lloyd, as well, uh, because the user interface, like like you said, Lloyd, you don't want them spending too much time there. It, it's sort of like a referee in sports. Uh, you, if you don't hear about it, then you know they're doing their job right. And if people aren't talking about the interface and getting right to the shows they want, you know you guys have done your job well. If they're tied up in the interface, it, it's it's not a good thing. But not only have you interv- innovated on the interface side, I think it, I use the term future-proof, even though there's really no such thing, because then how could we look forward to Roku 5 and beyond, but you did a really good job of future-proofing this particular device. You already said it does 4K. 
It has the updated HDMI port for 2.2, you know, HDCP. So you don't have to worry about compatibility with those sort of ports. I, I, I thought the Roku 3 was incredibly snappy and powerful with a dual core processor. You guys went ahead and put a quad core processor in this thing. So it really is a beast. And all these things come together to make it work really well in the background so the user never knows, right? They just have a beautiful experience. But there's a lot of tech behind that great experience. There is definitely a lot of tech inside this product. And what we do on a regular basis to all of our, our products is that we send out software updates. So this new Roku OS 7 that we're just launching, it goes to all the current generation products. Even if you've already bought one before, you're still going to get that. We constantly send out these new features. And we've also updated our mobile app. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at that, but it's a brand new interface on that. Uh, it was something that we use in our home quite a bit is sending photos or small videos or or even music from my mobile to the, to the big screen. Uh, it's it's something that you got to try out. We are talking to uh, Lloyd Clark, the Sultan of streaming, over at Roku, all about the brand new <laughs> Roku Four, the new operating system. So, so tell me something, Lloyd, as a Sultan of streaming. Okay, this is a debate I think we're going to have for quite some time. We've got our traditional, you know, cable companies and satellite companies who are delivering television over, you know, obviously satellites and coax. But this push towards streaming is is becoming obviously much larger and and greater. And I guess once bandwidth really doesn't become an issue anymore, there will be no barriers. So what is next? Is Roku is Roku what is next, really? Roku, for a long time, our founder, Anthony Wood, who, who there's the prince of product, uh, he's fantastic in, in seeing this vision of streaming. He said it for many years now that all TV will be streamed over the Internet. And yep. We're getting so close to that now so that customers have choice and control. They can get to whatever show they want to get to any time of day or night. I don't know if you grew up the same way I grew up, but Thursday nights used to be, you know, always one show at yep. 8 o'clock, or Saturday nights was a, a different show at 10 o'clock. Yep. Uh, now my kids or I can choose whatever I want to watch, and that's, that, that's what we see for the future of television, is that you get to choose what you want to watch and when you want to watch it. Well, uh, uh, Lloyd, and I'm not joking when I say this, you're trying to, you know, stroke the ego, but I really do believe that Roku is a big part of this push forward in sort of the evolution of entertainment because, and this is something Mark and I talk about, he sort of touched upon this in his last question, but we, we kind of both agree that the, the current model, the, the, um, the current model that we have now for television, the way that it works, uh, with products being advertised and sponsorship, that current model, it's probably going to go the way of the dodo because people now see that when they have a choice to watch their program whenever they want and to buy it whenever they want and watch however they want, that is going to be the model of the future. The, the, the current model of, of advertising-based things, that's pretty much going to go away because you guys have given people the choice. I think we're going to see more television shows produced on a per-episode basis because of products like Roku. Yeah, it's fun to watch all these streaming-only shows come on. Uh, I don't know if you've got your favorites. I sure have mine. Daredevil. Uh, I, 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 I still love those long uh, feature movies, too. And when I can get those on, on my Roku, it's, it's always fun for the family to gather around. The brand new Roku 4, I guess, available at your favorite online retailer. $129 U.S. I'm hoping maybe some Black Friday deals are coming up. Um, what's, <laughs> a, what's a release like in Canada? Because we've got a, a good portion of our audience in Canada. Do you know when uh, we're going to see that in stores here? Well, I happen to be a Canadian myself, so I can tell you we're working hard on it. I don't have a date for you, but right now it is available across the United States, like you said, at .com or at a store close to you. Love it. Lloyd Clark, Sultan of Streaming, thank you so much for joining us, and we hope to have you on again soon to talk about some more Roku innovation. Thanks so much. Mitchell, that's all the time we got for this wonderful edition. I think we'll continue this kind of holiday uh, gift-giving approach as the, uh, as the year comes to an end. On behalf of Mitchell Whitfield, I am Marco Flatlow. Thank you again for joining us right here on Your Tech Report. You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on facebook.com slash yourtechreport. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com. 